Hi, my name is Ben Armstrong. Hi, this is David Koch. My name is Thomas Maurer. Hi, I'm Donna Sarkar. Hi, my name is Lana Montgomery. Hi, I'm Seth Juarez. Hi, I'm Aaron Thomas. I'm Jess Dodson. Hi, I'm Rocky Heckman. Hi, I'm Sonia Cup. Hi, I'm Troy Hunt. Hello, this is Wally Mead. My name is Reed Purvis. Hi, I'm Lars Kling. Hi, my name is Alan Birchall. Hi, I'm Adam Fowler. Hi, I'm Scott Guthrie, and you're listening to the Need to Know Podcast. All the latest Microsoft Cloud news, as well as industry guest deep dive conversations. It's a Need to Know Podcast. All thanks to the CIA Ops patron community. The Need to Know Podcast. Catch us on Twitter and Facebook, N2K Podcast, and online at ciaops.podbean.com. You join me for episode 280 of the Need to Know Podcast. Thank you very much for joining me today. I wish to take this opportunity to wish everybody a Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. This will probably be the last podcast before uh, we get into the festive season. So again, please take care, please keep safe and enjoy family and friends and probably a bit of a break from uh, technology. Now, Microsoft is basically beginning to wind down. Many of the employees are taking time off as to be expected. Probably not a huge amount of news around until probably late January. Uh, Things still keep happening, but uh, generally, the bulk of the Microsoft employees do tend to take this time of the year off, and the engineering uh, facilities are generally quiet during this period. Now, I do have a number of uh, stories for you before we get into our interview, so let me run through those. Um, the first one here is a final report on Nobelium's unprecedented nation state attack. This has been uh, a series uh, from Microsoft about the Nobelium attacks. There are, I think, about four parts in this. Recommend, if you're interested in it, go and have a look. It's got a lot of good security detail in there. And this final uh, blog post here is a nice summary for you to go through and have a look and get up to date and understand, you know, these sort of nation-state attacks, which we're seeing more of. Now, the other one that really excited me was the Microsoft Defender for Business Preview is now available. Uh, so you can go in and uh, basically you know, apply to be on the preview. I've managed to apply and be approved and have it uh, running in one of my uh, demo tenants at the moment. So again, you can go and get that uh, Defender for Business Preview uh, and set that up in your environment uh, to go and have a play with and have a look at. Uh, it will obviously uh, be rolling out to Microsoft 365 Business Premium down the track. So if you want to get early access to Defender for Business, uh, here is the capability and the way to go and do that. I'll make sure I put a link in the show notes so you can go in and apply uh, for that if you do want to get a feel for what it's all about. The blog post here will give you a breakdown of the capabilities between uh, Defender for Business, Defender for Endpoint, Plan 1 and Plan 2. So you do have a feel uh, for what's in there. So if you are interested in this, here's the preview for you to go and apply and give it a spin. Now, another new item that has rolled out is the OneDrive Sync for ARM devices is now in public preview. Uh, I do have a Surface Pro X, which I'm looking to get this on and have a play with. Uh, Not probably a huge amount of ARM devices out there, but obviously it's aimed at the Apple Silicon out there. So if you are running some of the newer Apple products and you want to have a play with this preview version of OneDrive Sync, then again, go and have a look at the show notes, download uh, the new preview, have a play with it and see how it goes on your machine. Now, of course, 
any update wouldn't be an update without more news around uh, Microsoft Teams. So again, there's a quite a lengthy blog post as there tends to be here uh, when it comes to Teams. So some new improvements around here. One of the ones that I really like is the ability to take the content from a camera and basically capture that uh, into a graphic or whatever. So think of uh, office lens on your mobile device that works with OneDrive for Business that will, for example, take a picture of a document or a whiteboard and square it up for you and make it a, a PDF. Uh, we've got this same capability coming into uh, the camera content in Teams, so that is uh, super powerful, I think, and it's going to make you know doing uh, meetings or hybrid meetings really, really uh, much easier to work with. So again, lots of information here on uh, calling. So custom music on hold has been included. We've got uh, new devices rolling out as well from providers. We've also got um, the loop capability being brought into Teams. So this is one of the first places you're going to see the Microsoft Loop components in there. I haven't seen that appear in any of my tenants as yet, so eagerly awaiting that to give it a try. But go in, have a look at it, and maybe you do already have that in your environment so you can get a feel for this new vision that Microsoft has for collaboration using uh, this new technology, uh, Microsoft Loop. Uh, plenty of management capabilities here also included, Power Platform integration, uh, also some special items here for the uh, education market. So again, a lot of new stuff coming uh, to Teams. Encourage you to go and have a look uh, all, at all those details. And a uh, final one before we finish up on the news is that Windows 365 supports uh, Windows 11 and enhanced admin uh, capabilities. So uh, we can now get our Windows 11 business machines working uh, with the operating system Windows 11. So when we spin them up, they'll can, they will provision with Windows 11. Uh, you also get some enhanced admin capabilities like the ability uh, to determine, you know, who, if you want your users to have admin, uh, local admin access to the box and so on. So I encourage you again, if you are playing around with Windows 365 to go in and have a look at this uh, blog post again, the link will be in the show notes for you to uh, go and uh, review and have a look with and like I said, have a play with over the break. Now, like I said, not a huge amount of news uh, down the pipeline at this stage. Uh, I did, will take the opportunity again to thank everybody for uh, listening in to the episodes. Really appreciate you doing that. Please feel free to provide any feedback. And uh, until I catch you, probably I would think uh, just before the new year when I think I might do a bit of a roundup uh, session and my thoughts of uh, 2021 and what we plan to see in 2022. Uh, I will wish everybody the best of the festive season. Take care and again, stay safe. Now, if you do want to keep in contact with me regularly, you can do so on the Twitter at DirectorCIA. You can also hit me up on email, director at CIAops.com. And with that, let's get into this episode's interview. Welcome along to our interview for the Need to Know podcast. I'm joined in this episode by Vic Padana. How are you, Vic? Very good, Rob. How are you? Excellent. Well, Vic joins us from the wide world of Microsoft. So what I'll get Vic to do is just introduce himself to uh, the audience and let everybody know uh, a bit about his background, how he's come to the role that he is in today and what that role is currently at Microsoft. So if you do that for us, Vic, that'd be fantastic. For sure. Hi, everyone. Uh, so my name is Vic Padana. So I'm a cloud solution architect within the ISV partner team. 
Uh, I work a lot with ISVs or independent software vendor, that is, uh, startups, uh, SMB space or small medium business who are interested particularly in the digital native capability. Uh, I've been in the industry for about 15 or so years and have a system admin background, starting when I manage uh, racks uh, in a server room, uh, Unix Solaris uh, system, uh, moving to visualization, then now cloud, uh, more appropriately hybrid cloud. Uh, predominantly, I work for consulting companies, uh, the likes of large uh, system integrators such as Accenture uh, and uh, NTT or Dimension Data previously. Um, but also spend a bit of time as well in the startup uh, consulting company, um, so a company that was called Cloud with K, and now it's morphed to Telstra Purple. Um, also worked uh, as an internal engineer um, as well, um, spent a bit of a time there uh, as an internal engineer for uh, in the customer side, and then now moved, moved into vendor. Um, so I probably about uh, starting in my current position for about four weeks now. Uh, previously, I was a customer engineer um, within Microsoft as well. Um, and yeah, looking forward to uh, pretty much kicking some goals and, and get started in the role. Excellent. All right. Well, it's um, always good to uh, get a bit of background on people and see how they've taken their role, uh, the road to the role that they're currently in. Now, why don't I ask Vic to come along and have a chat with us about and share some information and some thought is around um, Azure costing. Now, in uh, SMB, typically I find one of the biggest resistance points or the biggest fear factors to getting involved with Azure is the uh, costing. Most people are used to uh, you know, buying a product for a fixed cost, adding a margin, and then reselling. Obviously, a very different scheme of things with um, Azure where it's based on consumption. So I suppose, Vic, to, to sort of kick it off, do you want to, you know, maybe talk about the, you know, the benefits and maybe the challenges of this consumption model versus what, you know, many people are used to when it comes to buying, you know, other services and other products in IT? Yeah, absolutely. And and this is something that um, uh, kind of going back uh, a while ago when when we moved from kind of, you know, visualization world and, and moving to kind of the cloud. And especially, as you said, around uh, moving from CapEx, where you just buy things, you know, upfront, and then now uh, you have to kind of manage that as part of your OPEX uh, or operational expenses. Um, yeah, so I guess uh, from a uh, high-level view, um, I think uh, we, we now live in a world where uh, a lot of uh, kind of tech companies uh, now um, are very much uh, coming up when in, in the startup world, especially uh, coming up with new ideas. Uh, and those ideas, uh, they they don't really, or they're not really sure about uh, kind of whether those ideas will work uh, or how much adoption those ideas are gonna gonna come in, and, and a lot of um, whether a lot of customers can be adopting those. Um, and this is where you know cloud uh, and you know opex or um, sort of purchasing things as as pay as you go becomes very interesting or becomes very um, attractive. Uh, and uh, what I believe uh, this this model works really best uh, in also on SMB as well. So for small medium business, um, it's 
there, there will be uh, certain scenarios where you looking to build um, kind of new uh, new project or, or building a new um, kind of uh, new idea or marketing campaigns, whatever that might be, uh, you might um, want to uh, test that idea uh, and having the ability to be able to to buy and and uh, kind of uh, allow or adapt per demand, I think that would be uh, really attractive. Um, and uh, and this this becomes a, a notion of uh, try it before um, before you buy. And and um, you know basically this is what I, I feel would be a, a bad method um, going forward in terms of uh, adoption or, or buying key uh, infrastructure. So I think that like I said, the big challenge is is that normally most people would do the billing you know on the first of the month they put it away and then come back and you know the the end of the beginning of the next month it would be a similar cost and they just you know rinse and repeat sort of thing now uh, with this consumption model there's obviously going to be more management that needs to be uh, put on the the pricing and, and monitoring that and and keeping in touch of the alerts but that said, it does give you that flexibility that if you do cancel, if you do need to upscale or downscale at any point in time, you're only going to be charged, you know, that amount of money, which is would be different from a month. So where I notice that, for example, is Windows 365 is a per month per user and it's a flat rate. That's great. But again, if I don't use the uh, machine, I'm still charge the same amount whereas if i'm using my azure virtual machines and i turn those off well then the cost goes down dramatically until i start using them again so i think having both of these options here gives people that um, flexibility so what are you seeing in the market um, with you know people who are using these you know the techniques successfully what approaches are they taking are they um, saying, well, it is a fixed cost and we take the, the profit or are they passing on those you know, consumption style benefits to the, the customer or the, the processes that they're, they're using? Yeah, um, so if, if you're talking about partners um, um, kind of allowing or enabling uh, customers uh, to basically adopt Azure, uh, so we do have a, a particular model called uh, CSP, right? So uh, basically, it's a it's a it's a model where you can buy your Azure services from a partner, uh, and that's uh, allowing uh, a lot of customers uh, greater flexibility because you don't actually tie into a, a long term contract. So you can actually just, hey, um, I want to sign up for a month. Uh, I want to give that a try, um, and just uh, get all the support, all the uh, sales, everything done by a partner. Uh, and and that's uh, kind of really really uh, useful. Um, and the other the other method uh, that I also see uh, a lot as well is is um, customer directly buying um, through Azure. And uh, what they do with that um, they uh, they start off with what we call pay as you go, right? So basically start with the pay as you go method um, and and use your you know simple as credit card signing up uh, to Azure. Um, and as the uh, usage grow um, very much, they will look into different schemes, uh, such as you know moving towards uh, kind of getting getting some discounts, uh, have a pre-commitment uh, a bit longer, um, where you can you can get some um, you know upfront discounts, etc. Uh, with that, so uh, that that's what I'm seeing in terms of kind of the natural evolution. So either go to the CSP. Uh, 
kind of route or uh, directly uh, to uh, and buy that from Azure. All right, so I have heard some discussions around some challenges moving between, you know, the pay-as-you-go to CSP and back again and potentially from CSP to CSP. Can you just talk about if if people do want to make changes in that that model, what's the, you know, the best practice approach or how can they, you know, deal with, are there any issues that people need to be aware about uh, before they go down a particular route? Yeah, um, it is it is a um, somewhat uh, not trivial um, to talk about this CSP uh, kind of bandwagon, but I'll try my best to kind of try to uh, simplify that. Um, and again, th there will be resources that I can, uh, I guess, provide, um, you know, in, in your show notes potentially. Um, but uh, the idea here is that if you want to convert from pay-as-you-go uh, to CSP, uh, there will be um, some sort of uh, process where you need to ensure that um, uh, you you need to uh, uh, reassociate your tenancies to uh, the CSP, right? Um, or uh, potentially another another method is is completely migrating your resources to to Azure uh, to to different uh, to different subscription. So there is no natural way of of converting pay-as-you-go as of now, as, as far as I understand, uh, to CSP, uh, apart from doing a migration um, to uh, to Azure. Uh, so to, to the CSP um, subscription, basically you have to create a brand new subscription on, on the CSP side, and then from your pay-as-you-go, you basically move your, your Azure resources. The second option, uh, I believe it's um, by associating the uh, subscription to the CSP Active Directory, which means that your RBAC and all that all that stuff will uh, will will be wiped out, um, and and therefore it, it may not be desirable. Um, so uh, in in my in my opinion, I think it's probably best um, sort of carefully looking at uh, migrating it cleanly uh, to CSP. So basically, you have a brand new subscription in CSP, and then uh, structure your subscriptions in that in that new um, CSP construct, and then finally uh, you you migrate your resources in that uh, in that subscription. Okay, all right. So I think the takeaway probably is that if you are looking to move between subscription types, to make sure uh, that you double check the process you're going through and and how that's going to happen. So I suppose that's probably the takeaway. Uh, from that is as simple as we can provide it for people. We'll put some notes there in the um, show notes for people. Now, moving on to, you know, obviously Azure is accruing, uh, accruing costs for the resources that you use. So can you give us an idea of, you know, someone who's looking at this perhaps for the first time, how can they go in and see what Azure is actually costing them on a, you know, a day-to-day -day basis? You know, if they wanted to find out, okay, What's my bill likely to be or looking like uh, for this month? You know, what's the process they would go through to get a feel for, you know, what the uh, Azure environment is costing them? Yeah, absolutely, and and that's a that's a great question. I think, um, especially in the SMB world, uh, cost is such a kind of sensitive issue. Um, so we we have a, we have purchased a product called Clouding uh, a while ago. Um, so it's actually a third party product before, um, and we incorporated. Most of the features uh, of that product to uh, uh, to Azure, and the new the the kind of the service is called cost management. 
So you can actually go to Azure uh, portal and then search for cost management. Uh, and that will uh, basically show you a lot of the various, um, you know, nitty gritty of costs uh, of all, all your resources, as well as summarized versions. So it has that dashboard capability where you can actually show it to the management um, and basically say, hey, here's, here's my spend so far uh, for the past few months, as well as it, it does more advanced stuff. You know, for example, like it, it can predict based on the rate of, of your uh, kind of usage, uh, it knows uh, potentially, you know, what would be your cost this month. Uh, and there will be a lot of other things as well that you can uh, you can do, uh, which we can we can talk about, like um, setting up some alerts and and budget and and stuff like that. But the idea here is that uh, if you want to go go to Azure Portal and open up Cost Management Portal, um, and you will see, uh, you know, basically the the tooling there that allows you to view and and digest a lot of those information quite easily. Okay. All right. So. Um, there are those capabilities that are in the console to to go and do that. There is that uh, additional service that you uh, mentioned there. Now, when we go in and start looking at the the pricing, um, you know, it, it can be a bit overwhelming because we seem to get such a, a low level of granularity, which can be a good and a bad thing. Um, obviously, we'd like to be able to do the breakdown. I think that Cloudine obviously is going to give you that capability. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you can, um, for example, um, you have different departments within within your team or um, within within the company. You can easily tag them, right? Uh, and you can uh, tag, say, this is for marketing, this is for engineering, this is for a uh, different department. Uh, you can easily um, kind of understand what the usage of that. Uh, but it comes down comes down to how the process as well. Very, very much, very important um, as to how you. Um, basically set up your resources whenever you provision stuff in Azure, make sure that they are tagged uh, and know who is responsible from a accounting perspective. I think that will that will help you in the long run to uh, basically understand um, kind of, you know, being able to to do a cost showback or or chargeback uh, within within the team to be able to to know uh, what, you know, these resources belong to to which organization, etc. All right, so another thing to think about probably, can you give us an idea or just a general rule of thumb, especially on the IaaS, on the infrastructure side of it, you know, what things are the big cost on? What things are going to cost you a lot of money versus things that, you know, are, are fairly minimal to run? So, you know, is, is compute generally going to be the most expensive or is it storage or networking? You know, what, what are the things to be careful of when you are looking at, you know, obviously being as optimal as you can with the cost? What are going to be the big, uh, line items. Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. Um, there's, um, yeah, as, as you pointed out, uh, VMs uh, typically uh, consume uh, most uh, of your uh, monthly costs, um, and and uh, especially if you have 24-7 VMs, right? So if you have 24-7 VMs that are running uh, and uh, you haven't done any kind of optimization for that VM, uh, that will uh, potentially going to going to consume most of a big chunk of your costs. Um, the other thing that you you potentially uh, going to see in your bill uh, potentially is anything related to uh, database, right? So that's also kind of compute, uh, but database is a special or specific workload. Um, and if you have SQL, especially, right? Typically, that's going to 
um, uh, costs uh, quite quite a bit as well. Um, and if you're looking at other uh, network um, kind of um, uh, kind of services that we have, such as you know gateways, if you have VPNs, or if you have um, you know uh, looking at express route and and stuff like that, there there are fixed costs that you have to be aware of um, as part of that um, as part of those resources. Um, but looking looking into further into kind of optimization side of things, there are ways you can you can optimize them um, to basically reduce the costs um, as well. Um, you know, and and you can see potentially you might have uh, some zombies within your environment, such as assets that you don't really use. Um, you know, such as IPs that are not assigned, or maybe disks that you you actually forgot to, uh, you've already backed up some some disks, and then somehow those disks kind of remained um, unattached, etc. So that uh, could be um, you know uh, a cost that just something that you can easily remove from from your monthly bill. Okay, all right, so. Uh, again, we just need to probably uh, be aware of where the larger cost items are and, and compute generally is something to be aware of, especially when you start you know, ramping up processes and memory and CPUs and cores and all that sort of stuff. So, um, I mean, is it fair to say that you can't map directly an on-prem uh, hardware, you know, cores and CPU speed to what we see in Azure? Is there, you know, a, a comparison here? Is it sort of you know, half of uh, what you see on-prem is what you should configure in Azure. What sort of, you know, would we look at perhaps when it comes to, you know, those sort of things around compute? It's not a one-for-one -one relationship, I assume. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's spot on. I think um, a lot of misconception um, in uh, kind of when you try to migrate, especially in the lift and shift scenarios, uh, is that you, uh, you're going to have to map one one-to-one uh, between your on-prem and, and cloud. Uh, in, in reality, uh, some of the uh, kind of hardware that we have on-prem uh, and also hardware that we provide in, in the cloud, they may uh, have different generation of processes, right? So different generation of, of hardware, um, as well as uh, kind of the various aspects around the, uh, the speed of disks and, and various things. So uh, one way to kind of remove that guesswork um, from a lot of our uh, kind of migration activities. Uh, I, I do recommend looking at uh, sort of a service that we have. It's also a free service. Uh, it's called Azure Migrate, right? So Azure Migrate allows you to not only um, do the migration, but also it allows you to do that, a lot of that pre-planning and uh, estimation. Uh, so you don't even have to migrate, right? So it's, um, it's really uh, useful for you to kind of assess and understand what would be kind of the the potential bill uh, in in your you know in your as, as soon as you migrate it, uh, so you can you can basically deploy that in your environment whether that's VMware or Hyper-V, and you can just uh, have it running for some time, and then it will actually cut you know basically get the stats overall stats over time, and then um, you know provide you with that um, you know kind of prediction uh, of of what would be the the right resources, etc., and also it highlights issues uh, potentially if you have like some random kind of hardware limitation, Mac uh, mapping, um, etc., that 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 potentially may cause issues when migrating. It will highlight that as well for you to kind of potentially remediate or use some some recommendations in the tool to to remediate. 
All right, so if we're thinking about moving uh, from IaaS, so typically the first move, the migration move is to move from you know infrastructure on-prem to infrastructure in the cloud IaaS, and then <laughs> there is a move and there is an encouragement to move to PaaS where a lot of that infrastructure will be managed and maintained and optimised uh, by Microsoft. Now, again, is it a fair statement to say here that generally um, the PaaS services are going to be cheaper and easier to manage than the IaaS side of the house? Generally speaking, uh, PaaS would be more uh, efficient, right, um, than, than IaaS. Uh, however, there's there's a catch uh, in that there will be some sort of asterisk, right, from, from real world experience working with, you know, some startup as well as, uh, you know, I worked with a fintech organization before. Um, and uh, we use a service called App Service Environment, right? So App Service Environment, it's a it's a pass, uh, but there's a lot of um, uh, kind of underlying uh, set of services that you need in order to spin that up, uh, and that can also costly um, for you to uh, to look at. And, and the reason why you choose that App Service Environment versus to apps, you know, just the normal multi-tenanted version of App Service is due to uh, security and isolation. We, we've recently updated a lot of that stuff um, to basically have less resources requirement um, to, for you to, bas to basically pay, and, and that's included as part of our, uh, our, our backend services. Uh, but in the past, uh, app service environment, uh, even if you, if you choose the, the version two of that app service environment, it can it can cost you quite a bit, but in generally speaking, you're correct. Uh, Pass is more efficient, more effective, uh, but you just still have some levers that you need to make sure that you you need to think about when um, uh, moving to to Pass um, as well. So you still have uh, ability to size, you know, what Pass um, kind of size and 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 scale as opposed to completely hands off like SaaS, right? So if you if you say go to Office 365, you don't have any control about what resources um, that you're going to use, but with PaaS, uh, you still have some control. So you have some sizes of small, potentially standard, mediums, etc. Um, and you need to still um, kind of play some some role in that. So I suppose that again, a, a smart strategy is to you know migrate from on-prem to IaaS, and again do that uh, in stages where it makes sense and, and see the benefits and understand that. But then that's sort of not the end of the the journey, or not the optimal end of the journey. You can then begin to look at what you do have in IaaS and optimize that potentially further using PaaS, uh, because yeah. again you're only paying for what you're using. Whereas IaaS, if the machine is spinning, you're effectively paying for it, whereas IaaS is, yeah, sorry, where PaaS is going to be more about, okay, you only actually pay when you run something or do something. So that's probably, you know, the way to look at it is, you know, you move from on-prem to IaaS and then you look at optimising what you can uh, into PaaS and then it's it's a continuing journey uh, into that sort of environment. And I think, I think that's probably a fair statement rather than just saying we're lift and shift and we're done, closed off, we'll revisit it in three years. I mean, is that sort of the way people are approaching it, are you finding? Or are they just saying, no, we're done, we're in the cloud, nothing nothing noisy is left in our office, uh, we're finished? Yeah, um, that's, a, that's a good one. I think um, a lot of a lot of our customers uh, very much initially think that lift and shift is kind of the end goal. Um, but 
we we see the notion of we see the trend now uh, people actually wanting to do a bit of a leapfrog uh, from IS directly to pass um, and you are correct in that uh, IS shouldn't be the end goal uh, because if you actually just look at purely from uh, you know one-to-one -one mapping scenario uh, when you have lots of 24/7 VMs you have lots of um, servers that you have on-prem and then you migrate to IS. In most scenarios, uh, the ROI or kind of the, the the costs, they basically don't match up, right? So as in on-prem can be uh, cheaper uh, than than running everything in IS. So um, th there's, there's, there's no kind of right or wrong answer sort of going straight to pass or going to uh, ju just to IS first and then go to PaaS. It really depends on how comfortable you are or how mature you are in terms of trying to uh, take advantage of technology. And a lot of them are very much um, come down to people comfort, right? So how how comfortable people are uh, with the technology. So it comes down to kind of also the skill set uh, for that. Uh, so it's very important to um, uh, to kind of approach them. Doesn't have to be like you know the journey has to be IS and then PaaS. It can also be PaaS right away. And and that tooling that I mentioned before um, as well uh, kind of helped you um, with that. And a prime example of this would be SQL, right? So SQL um, usually if you have lots of SQL servers running around in in your on-prem service, you know uh, they uh, typically costly. Um, and moving to SQL PaaS. Um, you know, obviously, there's some compatibility things that you need to 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 check. Um, typically, it will provide a lot of cost benefit. Okay. All right. So um, the idea is, is I think that again, you know, Azure is a big scary beast, but um, there are a lot of opportunities in there for people to obviously take advantage of to build the services they need. But then also, again, look at the cost optimization. I think that's what a lot of people tend to overlook in my experience is they would like all the features and then they again configure them set them up and maybe don't optimize them and don't look at the process okay well i need to keep working in this and, and driving the price down um and they sort of leave it as the the default the de facto options and that's where uh, i suppose the the bill shock comes in when again they're expecting something and and they really haven't gone in and looked at the optimization and working out the way that uh, you know, again, you can minimise your cost using, you know, a new service like Azure because it is very different uh, cost-wise from on-prem. So, again, you just can't turn it on and leave it sort of thing. I think you've got to go in and really optimise it. Now, in your experience, the people you work with, um, as you mentioned, you know, once they're sort of on this understanding, you know, and they do have a grasp of how the Azure costs vary from on-prem, you know, are they driven, you know, to try and minimize their costs all, you know, as much as they can and get as efficient as they can using serverless computer and all that? Or, or do you find they get to a point and they're sort of sort of done with it? It does what they need and they're happy with a, you know, a minimum cost or whatever. Are they actually really trying to, to optimize it, you know, right down to a low level? Yeah, um, a lot of a lot of my customers um, that I counted uh, vary, right? Some um, sort of uh, customers that have uh, kind of pretty mature uh, kind of practices around again, again coming down to kind of skill set, uh, they're looking to uh, optimizing their spend uh, much, much um, further versus uh, typically kind of companies that 
that usually uh, run by you know, people that, that usually run data centers, right, or run a infrastructure service. So it, it really comes down to that people um, within the organization. But from what I'm seeing recently, um, there's, there's definitely a huge trend uh, to moving towards um, kind of optimizing that and, and also driven partly because of that, you know, various optimizations that are offered by, by PaaS, by PaaS services. Um, in, in my uh, sort of one experience that I can share um, is that I've worked with this uh, organization that, um, you know, basically started off with uh, kind of motto or kind of, uh, you know, basically a principle in that uh, we, we don't want to put a lot of restrictions to a lot of our uh, to a lot of their, their dev team. Um, and unfortunately, uh, that didn't work really well for them, right? Because uh, what happens is that if they don't put a lot of those uh, guardrails, um, they basically come to a time where um, they, they, they're basically in a world of hurt because of the bill shock and various various things. Because um, you know, developers, if they're given a choice you know, whether you, you choose two CPU versus four CPU, you will always choose the, the biggest one. Uh, but um, since then, uh, what I found is that they start involving their um, kind of their internal finance or accounting uh, team uh, to be part of uh, this process. So, uh, you know, as soon as that, you know, a visibility um, becomes uh you know, basically the normal uh, kind of BAU, part of BAU or part of business usual uh, process, uh, they they basically start looking uh, to basically conscious of costs. Um, so it's very important that visibility is built in within within the organization. So there's no point having a, a really good IT team that knows about Azure costs, but, you know, the, the end users or people that actually utilize these services do not know how to optimize these resources. So, uh, you know, basically coming back to uh, technology, it, it comes down to how good you can adopt that technology and not only just technology, but also the process uh, side of things. Um, so uh, if I if I can move the, to the optimization part, um, uh, there's, there's basically a set of actions that you can do to basically re uh, reduce those uh, costs. Um, so, uh, potentially a few things that you can do looking at that simple as um, doing um, doing a scan across all of your various um, resources. Uh, and one tool that you can use uh, is Azure Advisor, right? So Azure Advisor is a, it's basically a free tool. Uh, you can go to Azure portal and actually just access the Azure Advisor. And then there is a, a section there called costs uh, optimization, right? Um, and they, and that will actually give you a lot of uh, cost recommendations. It will tell you things like, hey, your VMs is oversized or your capacity um, or kind of your, um, uh, there's some zombies within within the uh, within the uh, environment. So if you have access that you, you're not using, uh, you can delete them. Or if you have VMs that just not really use, uh, use that much, you can resize them, et cetera. Um, and there's also, um, sort of a different uh, sort of cost mechanism that you can actually use, uh, it's called reservation. So if you have, say, um, you know, a need to have to run 24-7 EMs, you can actually reserve those um, costs or reserve those resources for a year or three years, um, and you can 
uh, get discounted rate for that um, as well. There's other things like, um, you know, using license uh, benefit. Uh, again, I'll, I'll provide you with the various links on that. Um, and more importantly, uh, as a small business, you want you want to make sure that you are informed. And one way to do that is to set up what we call budget, right? So you can set up budget within Azure Cost Management, and then you can set up alerts. So say I've reached say 75% of my budget this year or this month, then I'll be able to um, you know action that, right? So you can you can send an email or you can even you know take some drastic action like setting down machines etc um, if you want to by integrating to various automation tool set that we have yeah so i think those um alerts as you mentioned the budgeting are very very handy it's um once you've got those set up you feel much more comfortable that you have the the costings under control at least you know what's going on um, the other things that I like in there is that you can also go into the, the cost analytics area and there are a number of different you know, reports or widgets or graphs that you can also pin to a dashboard. Um, so when you do go into Azure, you'll be able to see those you know, first up. That's one of the things that I do when I go into my dashboard. It gives me just a bit of a summary as to what the costs are for the month and the, the budget and, and things like that. So there are tools and capabilities that you can go and configure, but uh, the idea is, is you would need to just go in and configure those to suit you need and adjust them uh, to levels that make sense. But you've got, like I said, the email alerts, you can kick off automated processes uh, as well. So all of those are part of the capability, but it does fall back on you know someone to uh, go and uh, configure those in a way that makes sense for you know the people who are managing and obviously paying for uh, that tenant. All right, so with all of that uh, in place and we, we've talked about you know sort of managing the cost we've talked about the tools we've talked about uh, looking at you know the IaaS cost potentially versus the PaaS costs um, you know what sort of the the future or what do you see potentially as the future when it comes to the costing um, in Azure is it something that Microsoft is still investing into you know optimize and minimize and sort of make it easier for the user to understand what their costs have been um, you know what, what do we expect to see you know from the costing side of it down the track do you think yeah um, so we do have a uh, regular um, block updates uh, from the product team around uh, around that, um, around kind of inv uh, investments in that cost management. Uh, but one of the kind of key uh, recently that just being announced was uh, around ability for you to set up some sort of um, uh, kind of uh, group or being able to group uh, certain certain costs. So when you have you when you create a budget, uh, you'd be able to uh, set up kind of a different grouping uh, for that um, and. Uh, in terms of predictive analysis um, as well, that's something that we keep improving. Uh, so that, you know, something around uh, ability to predict your costs uh, a bit a bit better, right? Uh, and more importantly, if you run um, on different clouds, right? So if you have, uh, say, uh, AWS, for example, right? Um, we can actually provide you with a single pane of glass of uh, of your cost management right um, within uh, within Azure, uh, so that's something that uh, worth uh, talking about. And uh, there is a lot of ask around bringing that feature as well for on-prem, um, kind of your uh, you know the likes of VMware and you know Hyper-V etc. And and that I believe that's something that um, you know 
potentially that's going to be considered uh, very heavily as well as we move towards hybrid cloud. So we have a feature called Azure Arc, right? Um, so Azure Arc is a uh, is an offering for us to be able to uh, bringing all your various assets from on-prem, from different clouds, Azure, and apply a set of policies or a set of kind of management construct behind that and allows you to uh, manage them uh, in the same way as you manage Azure. Uh, so that's that's the vision. So I'm assuming that there will be lots of those features uh, around, around costs uh, for that as well. All right, so just a, a quick one as we get towards the, the end of our time here is that, um, are, is it, are you seeing a growth in the multi-cloud concept or are people generally all in with one or the other? Is, is there a move to wanting to have multi-cloud and then having it you know controlled or cost managed from something like azure what what are you seeing when it comes to you know the the people um developing in the cloud these days yeah um i see uh, for uh if you're talking about kind of the startups and uh, smb uh because they, they're quite cost sensitive right so effectively they they chose what's best for them uh and Predominantly, that is driven by the skill set of their people, uh, and they they start off with a single cloud, right? So that's you know typically Azure or AWS, uh, or even GCP for that matter, uh, and they they're looking to uh, build and bring that MVP sort of up and running um, as soon as possible. Uh, what we're seeing now. Uh, as soon as they launch successfully and have revenues, etc., you know, um, they they're looking at ways uh, to to reduce uh, costs. Uh, and one of that uh, possibilities is that you know, startups or SMBs, etc., they can look at our various um, you know uh, campaigns uh, around 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 ability for you to either migrate or have some. Augmenting, augmenting your current service in a different cloud. And there's there's basically opportunities for uh, SMBs and, and startup to be able to apply for some uh, 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 support. Um, so we do have uh, a site called Azure for Startups. Uh, if you go if you go there, there's a there's a section there called Founders Hub. Uh, and that's basically where you can see uh, various incentives that we provide as well uh, for a lot of um, customers in this space. Excellent. All right. Um, now, as we uh, reach the end here, uh, is there anything else that you want to share with our audience? And um, also, once you've done that, is there any way that they can follow what you're doing um, or reach out to you directly with any questions they may have uh, based on the information that we've shared today? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, first of all, um, kind of uh, you're talking about PaaS, talking about uh, cost uh, optimization. Uh, for customers that are starting out um, or, or partners that are starting out and, and moving towards um, cloud, I would say uh, have a look at kind of the simple example or simple workload that you can uh, road test with, right? So uh, think, think of it uh, as simple as file server, right? So if you have a, a file server that's sitting and you, you kind of have to pay for that uh, going forward. Um, uh, looking at potentially uh, migrating that to Azure, and you, you remember that Azure or, or any cloud in that matter have ability for you to have officially add um, an unlimited capacity. Uh, so 
think about that um, and, and have a look at the quick wins that you can actually um, sort of bring across to, to the cloud and then slowly look at the other services like you know, we do have services for patching. We also have services for monitoring. We have uh, uh, services for security um, that you effectively can bring in uh, without uh, a lot of the management overheads because all of these services are built, uh, you know, by by uh, by Azure and 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 it's it's maintained all the back all the backend and everything else. It's maintained by Azure. Uh, and for companies that really want to move forward. Uh, to PaaS and microservices, um, you know, we, we basically um, encourage customers to think about, um, um, you know, uh, cloud native solutions uh, that we provide. So think of it like, um, you know, basically how you can compartmentalize your solution into logical blocks and make them as reliable as possible. And we have lots of resources there. Um, a prime example recently, uh, some customers uh, talk a lot about Kubernetes, right? Um, and Kubernetes is kind of the hot topic. Um, but, you know, a lot of SMB customers, they don't have skills, they don't have people, and, and it's quite scarce as well to actually uh, get them. Uh, we, we recently released a service called Container Apps, which allows you to basically run things like Kubernetes, but without all the various complexity associated with it. So my message here is really uh, think about uh, ways you can leverage and, and uh, use that to your advantage um, with the scale that we have in the cloud and and um, really um, you know basically leverage them. Excellent. And, oh, oh, sorry, your yeah your contact details just to share with everybody. Yes, absolutely. Um, my contact details. You can reach me on Twitter uh, at v Padana, uh, or you can also contact me at Microsoft as well. So my my handle for Microsoft or Alias is Viperdan, so V-I-P-E-R-D-A-N at Microsoft.com. Uh, it's probably one of the coolest uh, you know, Alias in Microsoft. A pretty, that's a pretty cool one. I like that. <laughs> must have paid extra. Must have paid extra for that. Or do you get that after so many years in the job? So um, I'll make sure all that goes into the show notes. Plus, um, if you've got anything else, just uh, we'll make sure that that goes into the show notes for people. So I'll take this opportunity to. Uh, thank Vic for his time and the information that he shared. Encourage you to, again, firstly, dig into Azure and then spend a little bit of time not only on building Azure, but um, also uh, looking at the costing, right? And that's just as important, I think, as building it out. So I see a lot of people charge in and not understand the costings and the, you know, the best practice configurations. So uh, again, take a moment to do that. I think it's probably the biggest takeaway from today. But again, I'll take this opportunity to thank Vic for his time and the information you've shared today. Thank you, Rob. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Excellent. All right. Well, again, thank you to you for listening to this episode of the Need to Know podcast. You have been listening to the Need to Know podcast from CIA Ops. For training on using technologies like SharePoint Online or Microsoft 365, visit www.ciaopsacademy.com. By purchasing from the selections available, you'll be directly supporting this podcast. To provide feedback on this episode, visit www.ciaops.com contact.